0: One the Celtics' chances in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. The Red Sox bounce back, and the Patriots' OTAs underway in Foxborough. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Well, this Boston Celtics team is special. There is no question about that. They're special now. They'll be special in the future. And this team is built on defense. This is a team that can compete with anybody based upon their ability to defend. And defense is a great equalizer in the NBA, where you may not be shooting well, you may not be playing well, you may be turning the ball over on the offensive end like we saw in Game 5, but the defense was able to keep the Celtics in the game and allow for them to win. They have gotten great contributions from role players. Obviously, we talk a lot about Jason Tatum, we talk about Jalen Brown, but I'm going to talk with Ime Yudoka, the Celtics head coach, in just a little bit about the impact of Al Horford in this postseason. Grant Williams has been huge. Derek White was huge for the Celtics in Game 5. We'll also talk a little bit about the matchup with the Golden State Warriors that is looming in the NBA Finals. That in just a moment, but first, I talked with Ime Udoka about how special this Celtics team is. Here is the head man. Hey, I uh, hope all is well with you. Just how would you evaluate al's impact during the postseason and has it surpassed perhaps what you were expecting he was going to contribute throughout the course of the season
1: well i'd say it's more of the same what he's brought all season uh probably one of our most consistent guys on both ends of the floor so i'm not surprised by what he's doing in the playoffs he takes care of his body he manages himself well throughout the season uh, to get to this point and play at this level and so uh, he stepped it up in the playoffs. you know, had specific matchups that we're asking him to guard, you know, after the couple of last series and this series had a bio. And so he's doing it on that end, but also the uh, balance that he gives us on the offensive end, a a big that can pick and pop as well as post up and roll and do all the things he does on the offensive end, being a great passer as well. So not surprising. Um, He's been through these uh, playoffs several times through his career, obviously early on with Atlanta. And so, he relishes the opportunity as well, and he's the voice of reason for our guys to take advantage and not have any slip-ups. And so, I'm not surprised by by the level he's playing at, honestly.
0: The things that you've learned about this team throughout the the postseason that maybe you know, are new to you or kind of reinforce some of the things throughout the the, uh, the course of the regular season. What have been what stood out to you about particular team's character?
1: Well, there's a lot of similarities, honestly. Um, you know, we're a resilient group that. You know, this has bounced back and played well since the second half of the season. I think in general, our, our fight is always there. Uh, not a lot of games throughout this year that we really got blown out or, you know, didn't have to give ourselves a chance in the game. And so uh, you've seen that at times this 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 series specifically, even in the playoffs where we get down with the deficit and uh, we're always going to fight back and so. Um, that's that's been most you know for most of the season. We knew that about our guys—a very prideful group that uh, understands an opportunity that's in front of us. And so, uh, whether we have a poor start or a poor quarter, we always give ourselves a fighting chance to get back into it. And so, uh, that's had a lot of carryover since the regular season.
0: I totally agree with the head coach's sentiments right there. The Golden State Warriors, looming in the NBA Finals, are built different than what they have seen so far. This is a team that is playing its best basketball of the season at the right time, tested champions. And they have been able to transition from their championship teams of the past to this current group with still you know core of Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and of course, Clay Thompson, all in their 30s now, but have developed younger players as well to complement them. This is going to be a tremendous challenge. For the Celtics in the NBA Finals. And one in which the Golden State Warriors have home court advantage in this series. Now to baseball with the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox have bounced back. They are back at home. Five games against the Baltimore Orioles. Then two games against the Cincinnati Reds. This is an opportunity for them, obviously, to get over 500 and to reestablish themselves as a playoff team. How have they done it? You've asked, well, they've played baseball the right way where they have put everything together. The starting pitching has been good really throughout the course of the season. Bullpen struggled early on, but basically, when you hit, a lot of the things that ail your team are covered up. The Red Sox did not hit outside of their big three. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and Rafi Devers. Now, they're getting contributions from up and down the lineup, namely from Trevor Story, who has been absolutely on fire. We'll hear from him in a second. But first, here's Red Sox manager Alex Cora on the offensive contributions of this club.
2: It's very important. Um, obviously, we got some talented guys that can carry this offense. But I think at the end of the day, everybody has to contribute, and, and the guys that in the bottom of the lineup, they're good players, they're good hitters, and they know the game. So. Uh, you know, it's good to see them, you know, taking their walks, going the other way. You know, today started with Plough, right? Based it up in the middle and just kept going. So, uh, you know, they put in work. You know, Pete and Rosie and, and Louie, they've been relentless. I've seen guys staying after games more than uh, the, the three years before combined. I've I, I never seen that, that here, but uh, they're, they want to hit. You know, we, we want to be a great offensive team, and uh, this was a good, uh, a good homestead.
0: On that homestand, the Red Sox went 6-1. and one. They won games a whole bunch of different ways, come from behind victories, an emphatic grand slam by Franchi Cordero to win in walk-off fashion after the bullpen blew the lead that Trevor Story gave them in the bottom of the sixth inning. So they won a whole bunch of different ways, but mostly it was the bats of Trevor Story and Rafi Devers. We hear from both of them here. Trevor, just how would you describe
3: this series for you, this homestand for you? Um, it was fun. I think,
4: uh, you know, just playing on much better baseball and yeah, as a team and individually and,
3: uh, you know, able to hit some balls hard. So, yeah, it was fun. How about from team perspective, up and down the lineup, getting contributions? Does it feel like this is now the team that you kind of expected it to be when you signed here?
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the feeling. Uh, we know we, uh, you know, still got some work to do. And, um, you know, we, we feel really good about where we're at right now and how we're playing ball. And. Like I said yesterday, it feels like someone new each day is is
3: you know being the hero that night, and um, that's a sign of a really good team. And it feels like it's not just the lineup, too. It feels like it's the bullpen. You guys are getting the job on the field, base running. Like, is there a time where you felt like it kind of all came together for this group? Was it the homestand was it a little prior to it? Um, yeah, I think prior to it. I think I feel like in Atlanta, um,
4: you know, we could we could kind of feel the momentum shifting a little bit, and I think we we've you know ridden that out you know to this point and and we're looking to to do the same and it's come from all aspects of the game pitching defense offense all of it and uh yeah we're looking to continue that
3: I feel like you're kind of hitting home runs the way that you want to hit home runs too where it's kind of within you line drive like you're not playing for the wall so to speak yeah sure um I feel like the you know
4: there's been a couple high ones but the line drives are uh are what I like to see you know like the one today and um, a couple of the ones the other day, and but yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get picky on home runs, you know. Um, yeah, just as long as I'm in the ball hard,
0: I'm happy. Now Rafael Devers via his interpreter.
2: How would you describe this homestand and what it meant to this group? No, I confident. I don't how the team is playing. It's something very important for us. Estamos jugando la pelota bien ahora, toda la cosa no está saliendo bien, que lo importante.
5: Yeah, we feel very confident in how the team is playing right now. I think we we can we're showing our potential and we, what this team can do and yeah, we feel really excited. When guys like Franchi and and Christian are hitting, does it
3: take
2: pressure off of you or does it not affect your approach? No, why? No, no, nunca en la vida me siento mejor contento por ellos y porque va tan ayudando al equipo en algo positivo.
5: Yeah, no, of course, no. I I feel happy that they're hitting right now. I don't don't feel any pressure whatsoever. So, no, I'm really happy for them that they're hitting. But, no, it doesn't affect me at all or, or anything like that. Let me rephrase
3: it. Is it like is it, is it good is it good for the team and for you when you have guys up and down the lineup who are hitting the way those guys are and then you could just kinda do your your thing but it's needed for the, obviously the team to win you and obviously Bogey and, and JD can't carry the team the whole
2: season. Yeah that's
5: why everybody's here, everybody has to put their 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 contribution to the team, everybody has to contribute and everybody will be able to, when, when they get on base, we can we we'll be able to bring it home and, and that's it. Did you ever doubt this offense at all? No, nunca en la vida
2: dudaría de, porque tengo los años que tengo aquí, es el equipo que jugamos junto en PIN training. Capo y eh, par de años anteriores jugado con varios de los jugadores y es el potencial que tenemos aquí. No. Oh,
5: th- no, never, never, never doubt about that. Ne- never about, doubt about the potential of this offense, offensive for anything like that. Uh, I've been playing with most of these guys for a few years. I know the potential, I know what they can do. I know it was just a tough stretch that we went through, and now we're sh- we showing what we can do. What's impressed you about Trevor's approach and how he has helped the team so far?
2: Bien, sabemos que él es una super estrella. uno ha hecho uno número toda su carrera y yeah great
5: we know the type of the type of heroes that he is the type of player he's an athlete an athlete you know the numbers that he that put during his whole career up there, so yeah, I'm just happy that he's getting getting those ad, good at bats and getting those hits
0: Rafi Devers via his interpreter right there. Now, a bit of an interesting conversation coming up for you with Rich Hill, the 42-year-old Red Sox starter. He has a 10-year-old playing youth baseball. I have 9-year-old and 12-year-old. You see a lot of things. You hear a lot of things. And a lot of times in youth sports as a whole, but particularly in baseball, you know, the reasons for playing the game are lost, particularly the more and more adults get involved in what's taking place. So I talked with Rich Hill about that, and in particular – pitching and what kids should and shouldn't do as they reach certain ages, particularly when it comes to throwing breaking balls. Joe by Red
3: Sox starter Rich Hill, and both of us have young kids mm-hmm. and starting to play baseball, starting to play baseball competitively. And, you know, we've seen a big change in the major league game, and a lot of times that stuff kind of trickles down to the younger levels. And mm-hmm. Obviously the major league game focuses on home runs, uh, strikeouts, uh, on the pitcher side of things, throwing with high velocity. And kids mm-hmm. want to throw hard, they want to do what they see on – TV. What are kind of what, your thoughts on that, and what kids should be doing, particularly at that kind of little league, ten to twelve age?
6: Yeah, I, you know, the the little league age is is just really in the beginning when you're starting to play competitively against, you know, your friends in the town and and some older kids. It's just really having fun enjoying the game because it's such a difficult game you start to realize it when you're 10 11 and 12 that you're going you know 0 for 4 0 for 8 you're having a couple of, you know games during the week where you're not getting a hit and realizing wow this is this is a really challenging uh game it's not as easy as batting practice mm-hmm. so to speak or you know and 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 that goes for the same as a pitcher where you know learning how to throw strikes learning how to you know kind of get into your mechanics is, is far more important than, you know, starting to throw breaking balls or even thinking about velocity. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the velocity part of everything doesn't really come into play until, you know, you're, you're 14, 15, 16, once you start getting in, 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 into those ages of your mid-teens because, really, you're not strong enough to repeat your delivery, and that is one of the biggest things here at the major league level that guys can do over and over and over again is repeat their delivery um and that's that's one thing that i tell kids and and parents all the time the biggest thing is just make sure you can get a few key points in your delivery that you can you know master and they're almost like checkpoints Mm -hmm. during during your you know your delivery towards the towards the towards the plate and uh you know as far as breaking balls go i you know for me it's it's a very it's a very easy pitch to learn so there's really no rush to get into uh learning how to throw a breaking ball especially when we talk about injuries and the prone to injuries on the back end um you know if we're going to play for a plastic trophy at 10 11 and 12 i know it's meaningful years and i know but if the kid if the kid is showing promise and it's not only just you know the kid that shows promise it's really any kid because you're trying to protect their health and safety and i think that's the biggest thing that we see is more and more kids at 11 and 12 starting to throw breaking balls because you know it's easy to get that result from a swing and miss on a breaking ball from you know kids that are in little league because they haven't seen it um but what what kind of uh, initial damages are we doing to then see a 15 16 and 17 year old who does have a promising future end up having elbow surgery because of the throws that were made when they were 11 and 12 so we don't look at it as you know uh, you know kind of from the success standpoint we're looking at it from consistency so can you be consistent with your fastball and if you can be consistent with your fastball learn how to throw a change up um, and that that's really what I tell tell parents and tell kids
3: in terms of the, the fun side of the game like it, it seems like a lot of times it gets kind of you know competitive and a yeah. lot of times adults can be the problem in regard to, to that but kids yeah. also want to you know want to win so what are things that you think are important to instill in kind of the the fun aspect of the of the process winning obviously is fun that's what kids (laughs) kids want to do it's adult one adults want to do nobody wants to be on the, the wrong side of that but how do you kind of to go about kind of reinforcing what the game is supposed to be because as you mentioned it can be really tough
6: yeah and and at the major league level it's about results and it's a business um in little league it's not a business uh you know you, you're playing uh with with kids in the street that you're growing up with with kids in the town and uh you know and if you get into some of the aau programs you know you're around guys that you've been around with for a few years and you get to know them and and you know build friendships and um you know, in relationships from from being around those guys, so I think it's, you know, for me it's just being able to see the joy of of uh, guys making plays, or you know, understanding that you know when a guy gets a hit, or 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 even when a guy makes an error, it's 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 okay. You're learning, so it's it's you know, the error happens. It's not about you know, it's it's an all inclusive game. It's an individual individual sport in a in a team concept. So to be able to pick up, you know, learn how to support your teammates. Guy makes an error, uh, maybe the the pitcher walks a hitter in a key moment, you know, you got to learn how to pick up. That's 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 really like being there for the the guy next to you. So that's one thing that I think, you know, you, you really learn. It teaches you life lessons this game of baseball and I think it's something that, you know, coaches can teach the kids and kids can then carry that on and, and build a good foundation of character moving forward uh, as they continue to play the game. And I think as far as parents, you know, I'll, I'll hear it every now and then where coaches, even coaches in the little league level will say like, don't swing, don't swing because the kid isn't throwing strikes. Well, I don't think that's very fair. I think that's actually, you know, uh, kind of uncalled for from my standpoint is just letting the kids play and not getting, no, don't inject yourself on the field. You know you're not playing on the field. Uh, let your kids have fun. Sit there, clap when things go well. Uh, be there in support, but don't try to influence uh, the game in any any way for an outcome standpoint. Because you know at the end of the day, it's a really difficult game. And if we're trying to deter kids from playing the game, things like that will definitely do it.
5: Cool.
0: That is Red Sox lefty Rich Hill, who of course has one of the best breaking balls in baseball. Tremendous. Curveball also throws a slider as well. Used numbers of different arm angles, but all those things that he does, not good for uh, kids as their arms develop. We switch gears to football and the Patriots organized team activities. OTA is taking place down in Foxborough for the next couple of weeks. Bill Belichick spoke to the media for the first time since not naming an offensive or defensive coordinator. Of course, Belichick is not working on the media's timeline. told folks, We don't have to call plays for a number of months now. So what's the big deal? What are we all worried about? There's no offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And observers saw Belichick calling plays a lot during the OTAs, during the media version of that or media availability of that where uh, they could watch practice last Monday. I'll be down in Foxborough next week, and we'll have some interviews from there coming up for you on next week's edition of The Press Pass. But want to, this week, bring you some interviews as well. I want to focus on a couple of key players who have joined the Patriots this offseason. One, Malcolm Butler. The other, Devontae Parker, of course. Butler leaving the Patriots had a lot of drama to it because he didn't play in the Super Bowl loss to the Eagles. And that's never really been answered as to why that didn't happen. But was certainly a glaring issue and one that fans were fired up about in regard to Bill Belichick for a period of time. Malcolm Butler was asked if that came up when he and Belichick were working out the contract. We just talked about
7: the contract and yeah. um, is, he asked me, was I'm locked in? Was I'm all in, ready to play? I told him, yeah, I am. He said, I know you took a year off and, you know, the transition going to be hard since you took a year off. But, you know, I, I'm, he know I'm, I'm up for the challenge. You know, I, I, read, I can take that challenge. I can come in here and work hard and uh, take on any role. So. Um. Not even much to talk about, cause I'm here to work.
0: How much do you feel like you grew from you know, obviously that circumstance in leaving in 2018, and you mentioned how you need to be, you needed to be a man and how difficult it what that perhaps was. Could you Just kind of take me through that process and just you know how much you feel like you've grown as an individual because of how you confronted it.
7: Um. You know, like I said, you never, you never, you never want to br- burn your bridges down and, you know, I was brought up with respect, I ain't perfect, but I was brought up with respect and anything I need to say to somebody, I, you know, how I address them, you know, uh, the platform that I have, you know, you just can't just say anything and just, just act all wild and stuff like that. And, um, it was, you know, it, it was tough, but you know, you can't dwell on things in the past. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward, you know, I play cornerback. You know, if I, you know, I always think about, well, if I think about the last play I got, I got beat on, you know, I I won't be here for a long time. So, you know, you got to look forward and, you know, focus on the main thing that matters the most.
0: All right. That is Malcolm Butler right there. Devontae Parker, the heralded wide receiver who was a part of the Miami Dolphins last year and played down in Alabama. Has joined this team and is expected to make a significant impact and provide more of a downfield presence for the Patriots this year. And talked with him about that.
1: You no, know, just being a you know you got to be versatile, versatile, and you know you got to know the system. That's the biggest thing: just learn the system, and that way you're you're able to move around different spots. Thanks, Devante. Thank you. Hey,
0: Devontae, welcome uh, to New England. You were talking about it a little bit before, but what would you say are the most important attributes of a good quarterback-receiver relationship and what are you looking for in a quarterback and how does it work best?
1: you always need great communication, you know, and uh, you just had a good quarterback, quarterback-receiver quarterback relationship, you know, whatever it is, you know, just just get whatever he's throwing, just getting the timing down, you know, things like that.
0: Devontae Parker right there. Again, more on the Patriots coming up next week on the Press Pass as I head down to OTAs. In conclusion, I want to talk a little about the Bruins situation as we have not heard anything from the Bruins since Cam Neely did not give Bruce Cassidy a ringing endorsement or, in fact, didn't give him any endorsement. Said that his job was going to basically lie in the hands of Don Sweeney who was being brought back. And to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you think that things aren't working, you have to look first and foremost at the team. And the team, in my view, was constructed to avenge the defeat in the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals to the St. Louis Blues. A big, heavy team. That's not how today's NHL is played. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that should be the team that you are modeling yourself after to try to have success. Not... The team that you lost to three years ago. Now, whose responsibility is that? That is Don Sweeney's. Now, I'm not going to apologize for Bruce Cassidy, in that, you know, Butchie has seen his success go in the wrong direction here. He went to the Sailing Cup finals, and then they've gone backwards and regressed since then. There are questions about how he handles young players. They're afraid to make mistakes. Trent Frederick, a really good example of that. uh, Takes a penalty. Next thing you know, he's not going to be playing for a couple of days. Uh, Jake DeBrusque was on a uh, similar short leash under Bruce Cassidy. So the question is, where is the franchise heading as well? Are they going through a rebuild process? I highly doubt that because there's tickets to sell. So the Bruins model is one of sustained competitiveness. Cassidy has been able to keep this team competitive on a sustained basis, as had Don Sweeney. So I don't quite get this. I think that there may be some sort of a divide between management, Sweeney and Neely, and Cassidy in regard to the direction of this team. And therefore, they're, they've picked sides, they've chosen Sweeney. And I feel that unless they're able to work things out in some way, shape, or form, that there's a reason that it's been put out there that Cassidy's job is in jeopardy. Anyway, we'll talk about that more next week. We'll see if there's any developments from Bruins camp on that. I am Chris Ryan. This has been the Press Pass.